Well, take your copy of God's Holy Word today, and let's look into the Gospel of John. And remember this, every time we look into the Gospel of John, John's bringing up a lot of the festivals. He's going to look back to festivals, back to the Old Testament. Why did Jesus do this on this festival? Why did he do it when everyone was in town? And he's also going to look back, he's going to go back to Genesis and look at covenant. He's going to look at Abrahamic covenant. He's going to look at Moses. Jesus repeatedly brings back to their attention the words they should know. Now, we would say, because if you're a guest with us this day, welcome. We're glad you're here. Glad you're watching uh, by social media. But we are Christian first. Amen? And we've been saved by the grace of God, and therefore we're Christians. But we happen to be a part of a select Christians that choose to be what's called Southern Baptists. That means basically we're in the South. It was started years before we were ever alive. But we look around, and hopefully you did the same thing. What church is doing the Lord's work the way I understand we should be doing the Lord's work? And the only reason we're Southern Baptists is because we choose together that we actually put our hands together to the work. We know that we can't be everywhere around the world at the same time. So we as Southern Baptists send missionaries. And we, ha- we pay their salaries, we pay for their housing, we pay for a vehicle for them. And we send them support, obviously, through cooperation. Churches that are all Southern Baptist churches are supposed to, the old way was, we shook hands and we can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. We cannot disagree that the Great Commission must be given out around the world. Would you agree with that? All right, so that's something we, that's a non-negotiable for us. So we can't be there, so therefore we have people, we pray for people to be sent. That's what the Bible tells us to do. How will they know unless they hear? How will they hear unless they're uh, here preaching, right? How the preachers sin, unless they're sent. When the church has to send them out. That's in Romans chapter 10. And so we send out missionaries and we supply them with the resources needed to stay on the field. They don't have to keep coming back and asking us. So we don't have a lot of missionaries at the platform saying, would you please send some money to my portion of Kenya? Would you please send money to Asia? Would you please send money? They don't come back and ask for money. They just put their prayer request in. If you're on our Facebook page, Vicky puts it on the, there's a town, TCBC Faith Family page just for us. It's a private page. You're welcome if you're a member uh, or guest to actually come in and ask to come in. We'll, you'll see prayer requests, a lot of different things between the faith family. But we as Baptists believe we'll actually, people of the book, that's what we say, and we do missions together. We believe God's called us to great missions, and so we do things together. That sounds good, so good so far. Would you agree? Nothing wrong with that. But what happens is we have a teaching in our church. We'll come down and say, we believe this teaching. There's, today they, they describe us like this. There's conservative Baptist churches, there's moderate Baptist churches, and there's liberal Baptist churches. Well, what does that even mean to all of us? If we say that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, we just saying that, uh, shouldn't we have the same convictions across the board no matter what our stripe is? We should be biblical Baptists, wouldn't you agree? You would agree if we sat in and talked, but here's the problem. If we had a little essay this morning in our, my Bible class that I teach during the academy, they're used to a pop quiz or something that we went over, and I would lay it out before them and say, okay, this is going to count as a pop group, a quiz t- test, and what do y'all normally do, those of you get to our school? Oh, you didn't tell us. That's why it's a pop quiz. So here's this morning. At Town Creek Baptist Church, we're going to have a pop quiz for those of you that attend it. Now, should I come by? I'm going to let you answer orally, okay? You're going to give an answer to the question, all right? The first question is name the Ten Commandments in order, because every good Christian should know the Ten Commandments in order. Wouldn't you agree? It got quiet in here, didn't it? <laughs> quiet. All right? And then I'd like for you to name the original 12 apostles. 
That's just, that's just 22 questions. They count five points apiece, all right, roughly, 5.25 or something like that. Anybody ready to take the test? What happens is, any of you students in the academy ready to take the test? Y'all just did this. What happens to us? If we can't answer in God's house the very elementary things that we proclaim that we, if I said, watch this, if I flip it on Sunday morning because y'all are used to hearing it and you say amen to it, watch this. All ten commandments that God gave Moses are true. But if you can't repeat them, what you're telling me is true for Exodus 20, just in case I come out and ask you. Look at, you can mark your Bible, Exodus 20. And that's the best thing to do. So I don't have them memorized because my memory's bad. Well, then know where to go get them. Amen? Exodus 20, you can read them there. Deuteronomy, Exodus 20 is where you'll find them. And we'll say, basically, children should honor their father and their mother. And we would say, where's that in the Bible? That's an Old Testament saying. Is it? It is an Old Testament saying, first, Exodus 20, 12. But it carries over to the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 5 and then running to 6. It'll talk about the family. So we as Christians must know what we believe. If not, you'll be led astray by every wind of doctrine. This morning there'll be men that call themselves pastors, and now today there'll be women who call themselves pastors. Uh, there'll be prophets, priests, and everything in between stand up in front of people and give a doctrine or teaching. And most people are like sheep. They just sit there, listen to that. If there's notes, they'll write those notes down, and they'll walk out, and that'll be their belief system based on what he said or what she said. Now, if a woman gets up this morning and says that she's going to take the Word of God and she's going to preach as pastor of the church, would anybody have an issue with that? Well, I do, because the Bible says a pastor, he must be the husband of one wife. She can't be he, no matter what society says. So we start off on the wrong path. Or someone says, I disagree with the doctrine of the Trinity. If I, if I was sitting in a congregation like this and the pastor said, I disagree with the doctrine of the Trinity, let me tell you why. I'm going to pack my Bible back up and I'm going to walk out those back doors because the man on the front is a fool. If I say I, the Bible's written so that it's just written for the Jews. I heard this before and it's going around. The Bible's just for the Jews. The portion of the New Testament is just for the Jews. Some of that's true, but can we glean from the teachings that God wrote to his people? Yes, and it's for us as well. So be careful what you hear today. And I even got in trouble when I first became a Christian. I was, had so much zeal. I was at an older country church just as a lay person working full-time in the public sector. And I was so frustrated that the people of God did not know the Word of God that I preached Wednesday night. They let me preach on Wednesday night just as a, a lay preacher, and I preached out of the Book of Mormon. And no one knew the difference. Would you know the difference? Do you even know about Moroni and all the different ones, all the different books that Joseph Smith? And listen, it's false, cultic. Sh I should have been killed. That's what I should have been, right? Shamed for sure. There were people who were angry when I showed them it was the Book of Mormon. And I said, if we don't know the Word of God, the Bible told us there was one complimentary people that had the Word of God, and it was the Bereans. And Paul commended them because they searched the Scriptures daily. And you and I today, especially, we want to hear it. We'd rather hear David Jeremiah teach us, or, or we'd rather hear somebody on the radio, whoever your favorite preacher is or was, we'd rather hear them teach us and not look at it for ourselves. Oh, amen, that's good stuff right there. And cannot reproduce that. The whole purpose of having children is they might grow up and marry, Lord willing, have children and continue to be fruitful and multiply so that we can actually get the gospel of God uh, 
Jesus Christ out and bring glory to the name of God. Did you know that? And then somebody says, what about somebody who can't have children? Well, that's not the story. There's always that issues of sin, right? Would you agree? I was telling Adrian, we were talking about this morning, someone wanted to frust- uh, be frustrated about why uh, we can't get pregnant, and there's always these women on drugs. There's always somebody right there, right? somebody out there. They're on drugs, and they're living a loose lifestyle, and yet they get pregnant. How, how can God possibly let that happen? It's because when a man and a woman come together, they make babies. I know children are here today, so I'll be, I will be, gee. But you all understand, that's, it just happens. It doesn't matter if you're living in sin or living a righteous life. That's the natural tendency of men and women. Now, we know there's issues and things that happen within the body. Now, today in the Word of God, we're going to see Jesus, I think, is that he's frustrated. He's at a second festival. He's gone up to have a conversation, obviously, to teach the people. And the people have come, remember this, men, every man, male Jew, over 20, has come from all over out of town, and he's come to the festival uh, that we call the Feast of Tabernacles. He's come to celebrate that God brought our people out of Exodus. And by the way, what a great weekend, right? Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, Martin Luther King borrowed this imagery. That's why we celebrate, and you'll, some of you, who's off tomorrow? Anybody off tomorrow? Uh, you'll have that because of what uh, uh, Martin Luther King did. We'll, we'll call it the race relations, uh, civil rights movement. But he didn't create that, just for the record. God is the one that's interested in justice. Amen? It was God's idea that people treat others with justice. The truth come from God. Then why do we have slavery? Why do we have all the issues we had? Is because we're sinful people and we do sinful things. Amen? But so this weekend, as you think about, yes, there'll be celebrations. You think about when Martin Luther King says, if you know the truth, the truth shall what? He quoted Jesus in John. He quoted from the Bible. That's where he got it from. He understood, obviously he wasn't a perfect man by any means, right? But he understood that freedom came not from some governmental, somebody in the president's office or somebody in Congress signing, yeah, let's vote on that. I think that's, we should stop that. That's not where freedom comes for you or for me. We don't get our rights and freedoms from the government. We get our rights and freedoms from holy God. We're his people. It's coming a day you're going to understand with God up against mankind, and it's happening today, that we will actually say, that's not who we are. That's not what we believe, and we base it on the Scripture. Let's read in chapter 7, picking up in verse 10. We're picking up from last week. Jesus is speaking to the people of his time. All the multitudes have come to Jerusalem. They've come to the Feast of Tabernacles celebrating the Exodus. Hey, God brought our people out of slavery. God's brought our people out and to celebrate that, we say to these tents, we celebrate God. This is the end of the harvest, and it would be like our, something like our camping out during Thanksgiving, okay? It's a celebration of all oh, the harvest has come in, everybody's got all their good food, and they're bringing it together, and they're celebrating and worshiping God. You are worthy. But the problem has been, over time, the rabbis, who are the teachers, have created their own rules and traditions. It happens in churches. And they said, hey, no, 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 you got to wash your hands ceremonially. you got to do this. you got to wash your hands five times this way, two on the back, two on the back, fingernails, fingernails, rinse them three times, let someone else dry or let them air dry. Another, another rabbi would say, no, 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 that's not how you wash them. You wash first on the top, then you got to do the inside, then you got to do your nails. And so all the rabbis created their own teaching. So people were at, hey, we follow rabbi so-and-so, rabbi so-and-so, we follow rabbi so-and-so, and they had their own teachings they got so deep in their own teachings, they got away from the Word of God. Jesus is going to confront them. 
What happens if you come to the place and you say, well, these are the teachings I was taught, and they were taught in error. We had a lady who used to sit down front, and I won't point out where she used to sit because some of you know who I'm talking about. And she said, Pastor, if you're telling me that this is truth from the Word of God, I've taught my children the wrong way, and that means I have to change what I believe. Is that an amen? Or, yeah. If you were taught wrong, like, and, you, and you, you read Scripture, I didn't make it up, because you can always check. When I say turn your Bibles, right, and check, and is this what God's Word says? Well, I don't believe that. Well, you've got a bigger issue than what you, your traditions then. You have the belief, you have the issue of unbelief is what you have. And I can't fix that. No one can fix it. But if there's, if there's a tradition of man that says, hey, some, when the kids asked this morning, pray for snow, I said, I heard you flush ice cubes down the toilet and put your pajamas on backwards. Then you ask for snow, that, then it comes. I'm just kidding. I made that up, right? Because, but the, the issue is there can be a tradition started, and, and I can name some others, but I know the children are here today. Y'all have traditions in your home that are far from uh, the truth or normal, don't you? Which doctors, if you go overseas, we go to Kenya, uh, we go anywhere in Nicaragua, we go to Chupacabra in Nicaragua. And the kids are afraid it's a demon dog with red eyes. It's coming to get you. So if you say the word Chupacabra, it, all the kids are like, no, don't say Chupa, don't say Chupa, because he comes at nighttime to get little children. Or they, that's not true children. But that's what they believe. It's been told. It's been a tradition they pass on down. I don't know what the, what the purpose is, but they do. So we had a sports team, and guess what we called ourselves? The Chupacabras, right? right cabras. I can't roll my arms this morning. Chupacabras. And we, our, our chant was this, Chupa, Chupa. And we wanted, we wanted to mentally get in their heads because we wanted to win every game. And everybody would be afraid of us because we're the Chupacabras, right? So traditions of men will pass down. You have them in your families. The Bible calls them wives' tales. Have you heard those before? Well, I always heard if you do, whatever. And you will throw salt over your shoulder. And you're afraid to walk under a ladder. Anyone ever afraid to see a black cat walk across the street, especially time around October 31st? We get into all kind of crazy traditions and teachings. Here's Jesus is going to direct the Jews and the leaders' attention. Verse 10, chapter 7, John 7, verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret, your Bible will say, or the, the root word there is in crypto. He went there, with, he, had, he went there quietly in private. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? Verse 11, why were they seeing him? We know back, if we look back in chapter 1, uh, verse 1, why were they seeking him? They wanted to kill him. They wanted, they wanted him off the map. And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he's good. Others said, no, no, no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly for, of him for fear of the Jews. Mark that. They, everybody in the crowd had fear. Even the leaders that were leaders among the people, they feared the greater leaders, if you would. Remember, multitudes just packed out. The whole parking lot's full of people. People all up in the tree, up in the woods area up there. They're packed out coming to town, all right? From every nation they're coming. The Jews, 20 years old and older, had to come to three festivals a year. They had to make that journey. So it's packed out. And people are afraid to speak because the, hey, I heard the, the local rabbis are pretty upset with this guy because he's teaching and doing things that they can't explain. They even said, I heard that he's actually from God. That's what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3. So <clears throat> there's a lot of turmoil. They're looking for him because they want to kill him. <clears throat> However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. 
Now, about the middle of the Feast of Jews, uh, the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know? My Bible says, Letters, having never studied. Some of your translations will say, Scriptures. How does he know the Scriptures and the teachings? I gave it away last week if you were here. Every rabbi had their own teachings. So no matter how many rabbis they were, they had their own quote-unquote club teachings. This was our club rules. Any of y'all ever been into a private club? Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, anything at all where you have to you, you hold your hand up and you make a pledge, no matter what fingers you hold up or how you hold them or how you curl them or how you shake hands. There's all kind of private societies that people went into and they said, well, our teachings are, this, this is what we believe. Or this is our secret society. Well, all these rabbis, they were public, but they had their secret, if you will, society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses taught that, but here's, this is what was left out. And they would go above and teach you, right? Have you ever been in a church where that happens? This is the teaching, but, uh, but there's more to it. You have to, you have to come to church. Uh, uh, teaching this morning, you have to come to church on Sunday to be holy. All those people watching by social media are stuck, right? Well, y'all don't get the holy card this week because you're watching by home. But I'm sick. It doesn't matter. You still don't get it. What if that was the teaching? People would be spreading the flu and the virus like crazy around here, wouldn't they? Because... They would think, I have to attend church. Church attendance does not save you, but coming together lets us gather together and praise the Lord. But as I grew up, listen, if you didn't go to church, it was in my mind, you had to be at church on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon or evening, Wednesday, and other special occasions, revival at any other time that Dad said so because we're having church, right? Then we grow up that way. It was always open. We always joked that we had a drug problem. We were drugged to church and drugged back home. We were drugged everywhere. We just, wherever he went, we went. And it was go to church, come home, get a spanking, eat lunch, go take a nap. And a kid can't sleep all afternoon, just for the record, y'all. Just because you old people want to sleep all Sunday afternoon, young people can't do that. They're, they got too much energy. We had to do that. We couldn't fish. We couldn't even think about fishing. We had to rest until Dad snoozed off or was gone to another deacon's meeting. We couldn't ever figure out why Mom always worked cooking lunch. And she always worked uh, tirelessly in the kitchen. But anyway, those were the rules of traditions that happened, all right? So let's continue. Jesus is going to teach. And, and so the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters or our teachings? How does he know our private teachings? Because Jesus was like, yeah, Rabbi so-and-so teaches this, and here's the scripture. Here's what Moses said, and Rabbi so-and-so says this. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine or my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will... He shall know concerning the doctrine or teachings, whether it is of God, from God, or whether I speak of my own authority. Jesus is saying, listen, compare what I'm saying to what the Word of God says. Now, they didn't have the Bible like we have it today. What was their Word? Their Word was what? Their Word was the Old Testament. They had the scrolls from the Old Testament. That was their Word. So they could actually go into a synagogue and have a rabbi open up or have a priest or scribe. And look at the word of God. What did Moses say about stealing? Where would they go? They'd pull out the scroll of Exodus. And they would look and see Exodus 20. I gave, I gave you all the answers before I gave you the test. Exodus 20. They would go down and they would Hebrew. Of course, Hebrews right to left. And they would go down. It was not left to right like us. They would go down and they would actually read the Hebrew or this way. And they would find, oh, the Lord says... Thou shalt, what? Not steal. Now, does God have to explain himself? 
but we understand as people, if, okay, if we do steal, we disobey God, but also we're going to jail, or if we get caught, we got to pay back, right? There was consequences. Even later, what is the consequences of stealing? You could ask that question of a rabbi, and he would go back, he would look at the scroll, and he would pull out maybe Leviticus, or he would pull out Deuteronomy, and he would say, here's the consequences for stealing. That's how they based their moral laws and values was based on the Word of God. That's why the Supreme Court, you'll see Moses, if you ever look at the Supreme Court, you got Moses between all the great thinkers of the world, and Moses is right there in the, right in the middle of the Supreme Court on the front. Look at it close, take a picture of it with the Ten Commandments, if you will. That's him in the middle, because our rules and our values are based on great thinkers of the world, but primarily the very Word of God. Our laws are based on the justice found in the Word of God. Did you know that? Look it up. It's pretty awesome. Well, let's continue. He says, he who speaks for himself seeks his own glory. Who was he smashing on that one? All these preachers and rabbis and these teachers, hey, buy my book, read my book. My book will explain everything to you. Buy my book. Does that happen still today? For only $59.95, you can also have the word of God from Dr. Blah, 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 right? If you buy his book, it'll open up your eyes and you'll see it clearly. Now, there's teachers who teach. I don't have anything against biblical teachers writing and helping people understand. That's why we come to church. We learn. Our job is to equip you, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our job is to equip. Your job is to go and take that equipped or equipment out into the world. That's your job as a Christian. Not to go and be a disciple of Clint Smith to go take my doctrine to the world. If my doctrine ever crosses the word of God, God forbid, we're in trouble, aren't we? You'll pick up bad ways and bad habits and go against God. Verse 18, he who speaks for himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness in him. He's talking about himself. Did not Moses give you the law? The answer is what? Did Moses give the Jewish people the law? Yes, he did. He came off where? What mount? Mount Sinai, and he came down, and what were the people doing? They were having a big, nasty party, right? They'd already made a golden cow, and Aaron says, I just took everybody's jewelry and threw it in the fire, and out came this cow. That's a grown man who said that, y'all, just for the record. A grown man who's going to be the first priest. I just threw in the jewelry, and out came the, out came the cow. And the people got all their clothes off for somehow, and they're, they're doing this crazy stuff down here. And what does Moses do with the calf, the baby, the golden calf? He burns it, he smashes it, and burns it, and makes the people drink it with water. Yeah, that was pretty gross, right? And then he goes, and of course he, he body slams the Ten Commandments, and he has to go back up to the mountain and get ten more, right? So isn't it amazing the grace of God even on Moses? God inscribed those on tablets of stone and he broke them and God was gracious enough to give them to him again if he didn't guess what we would not have today the ten commandments we'd not even have that as a record because he broke the record no pun intended all right so why do you seek to kill me he says did not Moses give you the law yet none of you keeps the law now he's on to something right why do you seek to kill me and the people answered him and said you have a demon or you're out of your mind who is seeking to kill you? By the way, is there anyone seeking to kill him? Oh, there's a lot of people in leadership trying to kill him. Jesus entered and said to them, I did one work and you all marveled. Well, if you read that going, what's he talking about? If you took the bulletin and got the notes, I'm going to show you what he's talking about because he goes back. He references back to chapter 5. 
Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. How are we to judge even today? With, say it with me, with righteous judgment. You say, well, I was always taught do not judge. Have you, anybody taught that when you were growing up? Raise your hand if you were taught that. Don't judge. Don't judge others. Jesus here tells his people, or will be his people, judge with righteous judgment. The Bible says do not judge because if you do, whatever you, the measure that you judge with is going to be the measure that comes back on you. So if I judge and say something is sinful, I can say that's based on my opinion. We had this long discussion this week with somebody. That's your opinion, Pastor. Because I said the lifestyle, the alternative lifestyles that are keep coming out over, over, and over again, the homosexual lifestyle, the cross-dressing lifestyle, the transgender lifestyle, everything that was listed as a, as a mental disorder throughout the years in sin, right? Did y'all know that trans... Genderism is actually a mental disorder to the end of this month with the World Health Organization. Politically, it got changed in this January is when it changes. Until this, until today. Same thing for homosexuality, the lifestyle. You say, well, that's, that's, your, that's your opinion. That's Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New Testament. Did you know that? You say, well, I didn't know that. Well, read it for yourself. That's why you must read the Word of God. You compare the teachings with what the Word of God says. If I say today, a man should not leave his wife and go to someone else's wife, would you agree with that? Why would you agree with that? Because we said, that's just not right. No, that's not why. You are not the judge. God's Word says, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's why we do it, or don't do it, because He said so. He created us. He makes the rules. You say, well, I don't like the rules. Then you're like these unbelieving Jews. There's nothing this pastor or anybody can do with your unbelief. Does everybody understand that? I cannot fix or repair your unbelief. I can't fix or repair what you think, what you experienced. I cannot do anything other than to give you the Word of God and beg you and implore you to actually read it for yourself and ask God to change your heart. Because if you can't believe this is His whole Word, you've got an issue. What page do you want to tear out? You know what page you want to tear out? The one that speaks about your sin. Oh, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. We've had politicians in the past, have we not? That's what they did. They created their own Bible. I don't believe in miracles. Well, tear them out. Right? We've had a president do that, right? Tear them out. Make your own Bible. And then what does it become? An occult. Your, your word. What you say instead of what God says. I believe the whole counsel of God must be preached from Genesis to Revelation. Is there enough time to preach it all? No, there's not enough time to preach it. Even Jesus talks about, hey, didn't Moses give you the law? And they would have had said what? Yes, it was Moses. That's who we, that's who we, we, we revere highly as Moses, as a man of God. And he says, yet you're not keeping the law. Well, I would ask you as a pastor today, didn't God give you 66 books of the Bible? And I would say this, and, and it's hard for you to say it because I don't want to make you lie. And church, do you believe all 66 books are inspired by God? Do you believe they're true? Then how come you're not obeying them? Forget obeying them. How come you're not even reading them? I don't have time. The Lord said, 
Hide God's word in your heart. You might not sin against him. If you don't hide God's word in your heart, guess what you're going to do? 100% guarantee what you're going to do. You're going to sin against holy God. So if you're not doing the work of God that he commands us to do, right? If you're not putting your faith in what God says to do, you will sin against God. 100% guarantee because you have a sinful nature. And so do I. We'll find every other thing getting in our way except doing what God says to do. All right, let's, I got to hurry up. Here we got to speed up. If a man receives circumcision, he talked about that. Do not judge, verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance. Don't look at the outside and say, he must be, she must be. But judge with righteous judgment. Look at righteous judgment. So I have to say about a situation, I have to say about an issue, what God says about it. That is righteous judgment. What's the root word of righteous? Right. Say the right thing, what God says about it. You say, well, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not very uh, culturally accepted today, is it? When you say Jesus is Lord and a group of Muslims, what do you, should you expect? It depends on where you are in the world, right? If you get to the Middle East and you get up and go to a, a mosque and you get to the front and they let you speak, because they will let you speak, and you say, there is but one way to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. The Allah that you worship is not the Allah of the Bible. And Allah means God, just in Arabic. The Allah you worship is not the Allah of the Bible. What would happen? What do I instantly, according to their faith, what do, I, what do they know about me? I am a what? An infidel, therefore, the Quran tells me I should actually be converted or killed. Anybody ready for that? He said, well, not me. How about go to your job tomorrow or Tuesday when you go to work? And you speak clearly, listen, your sin is sin against God. People say, don't you tell me about my sin. Your, your, my business is not your business. Well, if I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth because I want you to be in heaven with me because I believe the Bible's true about heaven and I believe the Bible's true about hell. I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off or putting stitches in. Does anybody love stitches? Anybody ever had stitches with no pain medicine? Military is see one, do one. So anybody had your stitches taken out and they kind of hang up? I love taking my kids' stitches out when they were little. Like, Dad, let's go back to the doctor and do this. No, 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 I can do this. Give me some tweezers, right? But sometimes those little nuts, I've caught them before and caused some issues with my kids. Just confessing this morning. Not that I have to, right? I should have went to take them to the doctor most of the time, right? Or some of the time. Watch what Jesus does. He transitions. The people's going to transition. Verse 25, now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? Now they're starting to say, hey, they were talking about, everybody's been looking for him, right? Because go back over to go back over to look at verse 11, right? Verse 11, then the Jews sought him at the feast because they knew he would come because he's a follower of the law of Moses. And Moses said you had to come to the celebration. Look at verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked to Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews, what? What does your Bible say? Sought to kill him. They sought to kill him. Jesus knew they sought to kill him. He even says it to the people. He said, you got a demon. Nobody's trying to kill you. What are you saying? And then coming down further, and it says, they said, well, they really are trying to kill him. <laughs> They're looking for an opportunity to snatch him and get him out of here. Let's stone him to death, because we'll see even later, as we read next week and the week after. They want to kill Jesus. And we know ultimately it leads to crucifixion is where this is headed. Verse 26 says, it's like you and I would say, you guys want to kill him. He's right there teaching right in the middle of the temple court. He's right there. I mean, I see him, you see him. 
He's not afraid, and he's teaching hard things. He's condemning us, saying we don't read the book of Moses or, or study the law. And then watch what they say. This is what you and I would say. But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. We would call somebody like that when I was a kid a punk, right? You talk trash, I'm going to beat him up when I see him again. Kids, you shouldn't fight, but that we did. I'm going to beat him up as soon as I see him. And he, well, he's right there. Have at it, let's go. Get on it, right? And we used to say this, put up or shut up. And if you couldn't put up, then you shut up. And we called you a name and you went on right about it, right? If you say you're going to do something, that's what these people are saying. Look, y'all, they wanted to kill him, but look, he's right there. He's right there. And he's speaking boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Are they not messing with him because they think he's the Redeemer? They think he's the Messiah. However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. That's not 100% sure. We have reference in Scripture. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple. They, he read their hearts and minds. And he cried out. So it's not, I'm not going to yell today because I'm mic'd. But he said loudly, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Jesus boldly said that to everyone who would listen. And what happens to the rulers when they're confronted with that? You ever had a confrontation? Anybody like confrontation? I do. I love confrontation. It gets to the end of things, right? You ever had somebody talk about you? What do you do? I go see you. I want to talk to you right now. Hey, what's the issue we have? What, tell me what the issue is. Let's solve it because I love you enough. I want you as my friend, right? Or if you're my enemy, I want to keep you close, right? Because that's what I was. That's an old saying, right? I don't keep enemies close. They'll kill you, right? Take a moment to stab you. But if somebody's speaking, what do you do? Had someone... They're not here anymore. There's a reason a lot of people leave our church sometimes. This woman said something about a man in our church and says, he does this, he looks at me, he says these things, and I'm like, what? Hold on a second. I left the room, and it was an open room. I called the person, the man, and said, can you come up to the church? And I said, bring your wife. And then I went back in the room, and I said, hey, can you call your husband, ask him to come up here? Because this is a major issue, wouldn't you agree? Any man in this room would be mad if, if, if another man in this room was flirting with your wife. We got all kinds of people in the church, right? Hey, some kookaberries that come to church sometimes, right? They come to look for other people's stuff. It happens. So we came in the room, and they were all four in the room, and I was in the room. And I said, now, if you don't mind, would you say what you said to me, to him, to his face? You can imagine doing that? <clears throat> well, well. Ironically, she said it. And the, person, the guy was like, are you crazy? That's the furthest thing from my mind. There is, I, that is not true. None of that is true at all. Then his wife said, hey, we've never, I said, have you ever had this issue with him before? Never. Never. And then I asked her husband, I said, has she ever said this about another man before? Has she ever accused another man of this before? And he looked down at the table and wouldn't say a word. What's the answer? We know body language, don't we? Both parties are no longer at our church. Why? Can you imagine walking in the back door seeing that person after that Sunday? 
But if they know where they stand in life no more, she won't slander him anymore, would you think? Not at Town Creek Baptist Church because we must confront that which is sinful so that we can deal with it in love. It's not a matter of, oh, gotcha. It's never the intention of gotcha. It's the intention of, hey, get right with God because your judgment must be righteous. It must be based on Scripture. And the Bible tells us if a brother or sister is called into sin, what should we do? Matthew 18. You go to them quietly. If they won't repent, what do you do? You take two or three with you. Godly people, do it right. And if they won't hear you, you bring them before the church. And if they won't come before the church, you cast them out of the church. And some people say, I got kicked out of the church. I I hate that church. We just did what Jesus said to do. You don't have to like it. Do you understand this morning? If you're in sin, I can guarantee you 100% you won't like it. When judgment comes, a righteous judgment comes, and God puts his finger on your sin, you'll be just like these people. You'll get so angry, and you'll be ready to kill the messenger. Now, Jesus isn't here to crucify anymore. He died once and for all. But who do people come after today? I sat across from somebody who has an alternative lifestyle this past week, and said, you are a narrow-minded Baptist preacher. And I said, amen and amen. And I said, by the way, my narrow-minded comes from Matthew chapter 7. People say, well, don't the words hurt you? No, listen. Martin and I talk about bullets being shot at us in war. I had, a, I had a missile, a Sea Sparrow missile shot and returned to our ship. I've had a missile shot at me and my life was ending, seeing it coming. What do words mean to me? If you say, well, a pastor, and you can say all kind of words, or somebody says something about you, please, in this generation, would you grow up and don't let words hurt you anymore? Get rid of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now today we switched it, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones. And words terrify me and break me down. Don't let someone else's thoughts, because listen, when someone's bullying you, they want to bring you down so they can lift themselves up. You stay with Jesus, and you say what Jesus says about who you are, made in his image because he loves you. No matter decisions or, or bad decisions you made in the past, stay with Christ. Let me finish here, and I'll go, I'm going to give you the answers really quick on your notes. Verse 31 is probably the sweetest part of this. It says, and many of the people did what? What does your translation say? They believed in him and said, when Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Will he heal the sick? Will he feed the 5,000? Will he confront the religious falsehood? Because everybody's seen through the smoke and mirrors of the falsehood, did they not? When a pastor gets up there and says, listen, we're taking up a, I was at a church, I went on a Sunday night, we didn't have church service here, and they come up and said, we're taking up the offering. It's time for the offering. It's time for the, it was like, I really hyped up. Everybody come down and threw their money on those steps. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then they come up and they looked like this. Whoever the guy was said, this ain't enough. This is not enough. You come bring more offering. It's time for the offering. Start again. It's time for the offering. This still isn't enough. Look in your purse. Look in your wallets, whatever's there, bring it up because that's God. If it came into the house today, that's God's. It's time for the three offerings back to back to back. It was awful. I saw widows getting coins out of their purse, putting on the old ladies to put them money. I was like, oh, this makes me sick to my stomach. I wanted to go up front, right? I wanted to say something. And then at the end, they brought this big water bottle. You know the big ones you turn upside down for a water cooler? They'd spray painted it gold had a little gold crown on it and said, this is the pastor's vacation fund. Don't put any coins in here. We're going to send the pastor on a great vacation. This needs to be full. I was angry by the time I left the place, not because I didn't want to give, 
Because this was a false doctrine. You, that is not how you take up the offering. You take it up. It doesn't matter what you give. That's between you and the Lord. Do you understand? I said, I don't give a dollar. Well, you're going to pay for that because the Lord tells you to give, right? You're not being blessed, I can tell you that. In miser, it's not, you're not being blessed. We even tell stories like Scrooge during Christmas, don't we? Why don't we tell the story? So that people might be generous and not harbor everything for themselves. Help those in need. If you have more, you give. It was based on a principle of the scriptures that we help in need. For us here, it's my worship to the Lord. If every bill was paid, if everything was free, we still would give today. We'd recommend that you give. Not recommend. We would say the word says to give because the Lord said so. You're giving to him. I'm showing you, Lord, that I trust you. I can live better on 90 than I can on 100. But some people are still like this today. Oof, I just can't tithe. But at Christmas, whenever Amazon had a sale or, or there was a sale on this certain thing, oh, I got to buy that. I got to have that. I'll go in debt to get that. And some people won't even go forward and give the Lord one shiny nickel. You know what? That's a hard issue. I believe if you can't trust him that he created you, if you can't trust him to give, I don't know how you trust him to save you. And why would he want to? Think about yourself and for me as well. Let's go there. Let me show you these in your notes. In the middle of feast, he's gone up. They want to know how Jesus knew the scripture and their traditional teachings. They knew Jesus had no formal rabbinical training, nor did his disciples. Verse 16, consider this, and that's today's sermon title, consider this. Consider this. Jesus submitted completely to the authority of God the Father. John 15.10, if you want to write that in, John 15.10. He submitted completely to the Father. He didn't come in and say, I didn't come on my own. I came. I'm watching him work. And that's what we're learning the experience of God. I'm doing what he does. Consider this. Jesus gave all glory and credit to God the Father for all things, including his accurate teachings. He always did this. Every time you saw Jesus, when he would do something, he would turn the attention and say, no, that's to the glory of the Father. That's Jesus 100% of the time. Consider this. Jesus challenged their unbelief. Jesus taught if anyone is willing to do God's will, they will know the foundations of his teachings. Is that still accurate for us today? If you desire to know the will of God, anybody will know the will of God? You must read the word of God and the spirit of God will enlighten you and show you the way. If you desire the will of God, he will show you the understanding of the teachings of the word of God. You'll have clarity. There'll be questions, of course. You're like, how did that happen? Sometimes you'll see there's a, feels like it's a contradiction, and then you read another scripture and you go, oh, I get it. This is why that says that. Same thing with Jesus. He, we'll, we'll see the, this is like a contradiction, but then you go, oh, I understand why he said that because I continue to keep on reading. Consider this, verse 18, first part, uh, second part. Jesus glorified God repeatedly with his life, his works, and his teachings. Jesus proclaimed that he himself was true and righteous. Was Jesus true and righteous? He had to be, otherwise he's a false teacher. Partially true, right? Do y'all know what deceit is or what an excuse is? It's a half-truth disguised as a whole truth with intention to deceive. Some of us live in a Christian life like that. Oh, you want everybody at church to think you're saved, but you don't want anybody out there to know because of what they know. They'll say, hey, you talk like we do. You drink like we do. You're just as bad as we are. You hypocrite. Is that what you are, a hypocrite? Watch this. It's hard to even let it come up for us. I want everybody just, just to say the word hypocrite one time. Say it. Hypocrite. There's plenty going around today. And if you deny Christ out there, 
you are a hypocrite. If you're living contrary to the word of God, you're a hypocrite or you're not saved. It's worse being lost than saved. Don't be a hypocrite. What's this in verse 19? Consider this. Jesus confronted the unbelief of the people in the temple court. He placed his finger on their sins because they were disobedient to the law of Moses. If they were disobedient to the law of Moses, they didn't have a full understanding what God's word said. Therefore, they could not live according to what God's word said. They didn't have a copy of the Bible like you and I have. They didn't walk around with scrolls like you and I did do. They had to wait for the leaders to teach them. Now, they were taught in school. They would have Jewish school, mainly for boys. But it was taught in homes as well. But they did not have the word of God like you and I have today. We have 66 books. We carry around a library today of God's word. We know exactly. Somebody says, well, tell me what it says about, uh, what does the Bible say about feeding the 5,000? And if you don't know, if you have a smartphone, you can type in Jesus fed the 5,000. And guess what it's going to do? Try it. As much as you have your phone, just try it. Type it in real quick and tell me what it comes up with. Jesus fed the 5,000. So all I want you to put is a Google search, and I'm going to keep preaching. But tell me, somebody shout it out when you get it. Just don't look in your Bible. I want you to look on the smartphone. So I want you to see this. What is the job of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit? It's to bring about conviction. It's like, ooh, that hurts. That stings. Here's a quote from Dr. Corman. Watch this. Walking under the authority of Scripture and living under the anointing of the Holy Spirit will produce righteous living. You've got to have the Word of God and the Spirit of God guiding you through life, and you'll walk, therefore. Let me say it again. Walking under the authority of Scripture and living under the anointing of the Holy Spirit will produce a righteous life. Finally, let me give you this. Consider this. Anybody find it yet? Y'all's fingers are slow. What does it say? All right, go on down past it. Somebody at Wikipedia take forever. So, so what I'm, my point is you can find it at the touch of your fingers within seconds if somebody asks you a question today. You don't have to be a scholar. You can actually use Google as your scholarship. Now, don't go to their explanations. Don't go to the, the, if you would, the notes in your Bible, if you have a study Bible. The notes in your study Bible are not inspired by God. That's just man's interpretation of the Scripture. Make sure you say, listen, does that match up other places? Because there are study Bibles today that are false statements in them. Did you know that? I could create King James Version. You could create one. The King James Bible has no, it's public domain. It's free. So I could create the Clint Smith Study Bible today print it in King James, and write my own notes in there and sell it as my Bible. You can do the same thing. Did you know that? It's public domain. Finally, let's get through it and look at this. Consider this. Jesus referenced the miracle he performed on the last festival, and that's actually in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, of the man who was laying beside the pool of Bethesda, that he was healed, and then Jesus brought him up on the Sabbath. He judged the people for their blind unbelief because the Jews always pray at the end of Sabbath, Lord, bring about healing. That's their end prayer. That's the end of Saturday. Lord, bring healing, bring completeness. And what should you expect on the Sabbath if the Messiah comes? That he would answer the prayer you've been praying every stinking Saturday for the last part of your life. And now this man comes and he's bringing healing to the people on Saturday. He's coming and they're, he made that man whole on the Sabbath. That was your prayer. He told him to carry his mat. He's done all these different things on set. He has absolutely got a demon in him because he's violating the teachings of Rabbi Schnitzelberry, whatever his name is, right? He's violating his teaching. He said you can't carry anything more than 10 steps. 
how could this man come against rabbi so-and-so? And that's what Jesus said. You don't understand. If a child turns eight days old, it's required by Moses, but also not just Moses, from the fathers, from Abraham, that you, we talked about this at Christmas. When did Jesus go to the temple to be circumcised? Eighth day. When did John the Baptist go to the temple to be circumcised? The eighth day. If the eighth day landed on a Sabbath, do you still circumcise the boy? Yes, because it was commanded of Moses and it was commanded of the Abrahamic covenant. You show that actually, because of the pain of circumcision, that, that actually God's bringing about healing in that boy's life or his family's life. You say, I don't fully understand that. Well, God set it up and God believed it because God's word said so. So Jesus is like, if you bring about healing because having circumcision... What's the big deal with me bringing healing to a man? He's completely, I completely healed a man from toe to foot, right? You took the foreskin of the young man and wrote about spiritual healing. You know, it was symbolic of that. You see the comparison? Jesus is saying we both are bringing about healing. Don't complain what happens on the Sabbath. Finally, Jesus rebuked the inconsistency of the religious leaders. He healed completely on the Sabbath, and they were angry. But if a male child had just said that turned eight, eight days old on the Sabbath, he would, they would circumcise him, keeping the law of Moses and Abrahamic covenant. Two more. Consider this. The crowd recognized Jesus, as, Jesus pushed back against the religious leadership boldly. He didn't just come up and say it. He, if you look at your explanation there, he said it. He declared before them, you are told by Moses this is what you should do, and yet you don't keep the law of Moses, which means you're in what? What kind of lifestyle? A sinful lifestyle. Now, we know we don't keep the law of Moses, even though it applies to us today. Thou shalt not steal, commit adulteries, uh, children honor your father and your mother. All that's in play today because God's moral standards never change throughout all of history. Today, we know we're under grace. We don't actually say, well, we live under grace. We can do whatever we want to so that God might show himself even greater. That is a lie from the devil. Romans 6 says, God forbid that we would sin just because we say God's grace would shine brighter because I sin." He says, don't sin. And when you do sin, bring about confession. Turn away from that sin and turn back to the righteous way, to the way of Christ. They recognized the weakness of their leaders when, they, when Jesus spoke back to them. They're like, he's right there. They're doing nothing. And he's, we would say he's smoking them. That's what we used to say. I mean, something, you're winning. You're, I guess that's from a drag strip terminology. You're outrunning the person. We would say that's what's happening. And finally, consider this. The Bible says many of the people put their faith in Jesus. They recognized his truths and miracles were from God. Who brought about their faith? Who brought their faith? Who brought about their faith? Specifically, the Holy Spirit came because he convicted them. Jesus preached the truth. And when they heard the truth, some people were like, that can't be true. You're breaking Rabbi so-and-so's teachings. And then some people heard it and go, wow, he put God first. He put himself under submission of God. He's preaching truths from the word of God. We know these are true because in our hearts we know what the law says because the Bible says it's in our hearts, right? But we've heard dad talk about it, grandpa talk about that, and we've really been going astray. We've been going this way with this preacher, rabbi, instead of actually what the word of God says. We know this to be true, and the Holy Spirit's convicted the whole time, and when they finally hear the word of God preached, and Jesus tells them the truth, the Bible says they believe. Some believed. Guess what happened? Some believed and some did not. Well, the Bible says many believed. There's a bunch of people there. Remember, there's multitudes of people there. This is a huge festival. How about today for us? Do we believe that Jesus Christ 
is Lord of all to the glory of God? Are you still one of, well, I was raised, you know, I was raised Presbyterian. I was raised Methodist. I was raised Catholic. Who cares? Is that going to matter when you die? Does it matter even today? Because really, denominations hold no weight today. The only reason we have denominations, and I like denominations just for the record, just for to be clear. It tells me who you are. If somebody comes up and goes, well, I'm a Methodist. And they straighten their coat. Well, I heard the Methodist church is now allowing women pastors and also lesbian deacons. There is no way on the planet I'd be a Methodist today. There's no way. Because the doctrine of the church is changing to go so far left that it's getting away, just like the rabbis did, from the teachings of the Word of God. I'm not mad at them. I just want to be a part of them. So when somebody says, well, I'm a Presbyterian. I believe we've been ordained. One lady came in. She wanted to teach Bible at her school. And she said, I believe that um, our children were chosen by God to be saved. I said, what about the rest of the kids in the school? She goes, well, I don't know about them, but my kids are chosen because I was saved, and therefore they're under the covenant, and they've been saved. I said, so you mean your children don't have to do anything to receive Christ? Nothing. They're saved because their parents are saved. That's the teaching today. The Bible says every man, woman, boy, and girl must give an account for themselves. You must stand before the Lord Jesus Christ by yourself. Nobody holding your hand, nobody in front of you or behind you. You must stand before God holy. I mean, holy or unholy is how you're going to stand before him. Guilty or said, I put my guilt on Jesus. I accepted Jesus Christ that day. I asked him to forgive me my sins. And now I've been redeemed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. No other reason. I don't come with any gifts. I don't come with any responsibilities other than I turned to him when I was whatever age. I fully trust him as my Savior. I ask him to come into my life and forgive me. Lord, I want what you are offering, and I'll take it today. And payday was put on him the day he died on the cross. If you don't have that, you're going to stand beside him before the Lord and try to take it yourself. And he's going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of sin or iniquity. It's going to be a sad day, y'all. This is real stuff, just as real as you celebrated Christmas this year. Why did you celebrate Christmas if you're not a Christian? You wasted your time. What did you celebrate? A fairy tale? Something that you made up? I celebrated the birth of his coming, that he did really come to this earth. And at Easter's coming, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. At Easter, guess what I'm going to celebrate? I'm going to say first that he really did die for me. He really was buried in a borrowed tomb. Why well, a borrowed tomb? Because he didn't plan to stay there. Because the Bible says, he said himself, he's only going to be there three days. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, the Bible says he was raised to the glory of God. God raised him from the dead. And he's alive forevermore, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Woo! That's good stuff, isn't it? Praise God. All right, let's pray. Listen, you've got decisions to make today. I've got decisions to make. You've got decisions to make. I made the biggest decision in my life by accepting Jesus Christ. I was 21. It took this hard head a little bit longer. You might be 71. Who knows what age it is that you accept Christ. But we all must give our heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we will not see heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I've got a lot of friends here. Those even watching by social media, some are saved. Lord, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we won't act... uh, celebratory or crazy, sometimes praising you because you're worthy, you're holy, and we thank you for that. But Lord, sometimes uh, we can act out badly and sin against you and have to quickly run and say, Lord, I've messed things up, would you forgive me? And you do. Still others this morning, Lord, they are like these unbelieving Jewish people. They're like, we see all the miracles, we've heard all the preaching, we can read it for ourselves, but we still don't believe. 
God, I'm just going to ask you, would you help my friends in their unbelief? No matter where they are today, no matter where they might uh, be watching or listening, even in the future, I pray for those friends. Father, you would change their hearts as you so graciously changed those of us that are saved. We need you. We love you. We thank you for your work and your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.